Welcome to the latest Pink Podcast in the Pink Elephant Podcast Series, dedicated to leading the way in IT management best practices. Welcome to ITIL in a Heartbeat, Part 404 with IT management consultant Bill Irvine. Service delivery are more the uh, tactical processes, often called the concurrent processes, because unlike service support, you typically aren't doing these things in order. You have service level management, but at the same time, you can be doing availability, capacity, financial, and IT service continuity, all related to the services. Service level management is like the key component of the service delivery grouping and is the connection point back to the service support space. We're defining service level agreements and service level management that all the people from a service support standpoint are trying to meet. So that's the linkage point to a great extent. We have the business customers negotiating service level agreements, operational level agreements with the customer group and with the internal IT group uh, to make sure that all of these services are provided appropriately. The availability, capacity, financial, and IT service continuity are typically thought of as back office processes. They're not seen by the customer, but they're vital if we're going to be able to provide services to the customer. Service level management, to maintain and improve IT through a constant cycle of uh, defining service, improving, negotiating, and uh, ultimately optimizing the quality of service. What we're trying to do within service level management is understand the customer's requirements, interpret them, uh, and then work with IT to make sure that we can deliver them. Or go back and then say, no, IT can't actually do what you want. Let's renegotiate what this is going to be about. So it's taking those unreasonable expectations and putting a wrapper around them that says, well, this is really what IT can do. Oh, you want more than that? Well, back to that cost discussion, we can do more, but that's a higher level of service, and it's more than we can afford to provide. So if you'd like gold service, then here's the extra money, or we need the extra money. But the key part here is not to have the SLAs that we had in the 90s, which were the big, you know, here's your service level agreement. <laughs> it's to have something short, sweet, that's realistic, that you can actually deliver on, that has specific service measures built into it. Some of the activities defining the, uh, the overall process or establishing the function, cataloging the services. I keep uh, beating on this whole service catalog thing, but you've got to get to the point pretty soon where you're offering your services to your customer in a formalized catalog, telling them what they get, what are the components of the service, what's the turnaround time or service level for the service, and what's the cost of the service. They've got to understand what IT is offering them as a service provider. Draft, negotiate your service level agreements and always based upon what are your capabilities, what are the operational level agreements that I have within IT that mean I can sign up for an SLA with the customer. What are the underpinning contracts that I have with my third-party vendors that allow me to provide a service to my customer? And unless those things are faster, better, and cheaper than what you're offering in your service level agreement, you can't meet your service level agreement. Your response time from your PC vendor has to be four hours, with a two-hour response time from your internal IT before you can sign a six-hour replacement SLA with your customer saying that you'll be able to add those two things together to deliver. Agreeing the process, constantly going around monitoring, reporting, reviewing the process, 
and then overall reviews of uh, how you're doing your service level agreements, how your OLAs and UCs are doing as a whole. Availability management, looking at optimizing the availability. It's not just about reporting on what happened and crossing your fingers. The concept here is that you actually design for availability. You find out what those service level requirements from the customer are, and then you create an infrastructure that will deliver on that promise. And then you do all kinds of good stuff from a risk perspective to make sure that you're always constantly looking to minimize the potential impacts to the infrastructure that might upset the service. Some of the activities here, like I mentioned, service level management is really about uh, providing what the customer wants to the availability management group who are then going to design an availability solution to the customer needs. Monitoring them, also making sure that we maintain. Availability very often is just making sure we do maintenance on a regular schedule so that things don't break in between that time. Capacity management, making sure that the current and future capacity meets the business needs. And again, this tenant of at a justifiable cost or provided cost effectively. We can all do overcapacity. We inevitably get caught dealing with undercapacity. We need the three bears story here. We need the just right in the middle. We need to be able to provide capacity that doesn't cost us too much, but doesn't have too much risk associated with it. Finding that balance point is tough, but will optimize your budget, will optimize your use of IT. The days of server farms full of 70% spare capacity on every box should be gone. And if they're still there, then you've got some work to do around the capacity management business. There's more service, server consolidation than ever in the world these days, and a lot of it's driven by this uh, need to optimize fiscally, etc. I uh, won't go into the details here, but there's all kinds of activities around application management, application sizing, uh, modeling what those... Uh, what those infrastructures look like and how they perform, coming up with resource management, performance management down to the component level, making sure that each component in the overall infrastructure is delivering on the performance expectations, and then using your understanding of the environment to actually create demand management with your customers. Stop them using the super searches in the middle of prime time during the day, try and encourage them to make those batch jobs that happen overnight and flatten out the peaks and troughs in terms of your overall capacity. IT service continuity. It would be a good thing if it stayed up. Not necessarily disaster. Disasters are typically the less likely cause of a business failure related to IT. More than 70% of the failures that cause IT to fail are non-disaster related. They're not the things that show up on CNN. They're hardware issues, they're people issues. Only about 35% are actually acts of unnatural uh, proportions like floods and fires and all of those kind of things. You need an overall business continuity plan, first of all, so the business has got to recognize they need a plan to recover, but you also need to have an IT service continuity plan underneath that. And that typically is risk assessment, countermeasures, assessing those threats and coming up with ways of preventing these things from happening. Not just how good are my plans for reacting, how fast can I recover, or what countermeasures can I put in place to prevent these things from happening in the first place. Some of the activities related to uh, business continuity management, IT service continuity management, 
are based around the whole risk model. There's a great acronym called CRAM, which is CCTA's Risk Assessment and Management Methodology. I love the acronyms in ITIL, they're great. Uh, but it's primarily basically saying we need to do risk assessment, work out where the threats are, and then put stuff in place to try and address those. Uh, with a whole lot of planning around that in terms of implementing risk reduction methods and testing your plans and making sure that you can actually meet the goals. Remember that this doesn't happen for just everything. It happens for the things that are of vital business import. So you don't necessarily have an IT service continuity plan for every service you offer. You work out with your customers which services they will need to be continued in the event of something bigger and nasty happening. So work out what things you are going to put this in place for and don't try and boil the ocean with everything. At least your critical business system should be covered by a process like this, but not necessarily everything you do. Financial management. Let's do a better job of managing the costs. We can't take all their money and not give them any feedback as to how much it costs to run the service. But here's the cycle. Take the business requirements, understand what the customer wants, come up with an operational plan, including the budgets, come up with financial targets, cost analysis done on a monthly basis from a cost accounting standpoint, with costing models that actually break down how much these things cost per service, per customer, per department, per division, and do some charging. Now, not going to do charging. Well, okay, but at least go and tell the customer how much this stuff costs so that they have a better awareness of what's happening to the trillion dollars they gave you at the beginning of the year. So that they understand why you need that amount of money and what you're doing with it. Come up with charging policies, either invoice or at least give them notional charging that says this is what it would have cost them. And then feed all that stuff back to the business through the service level management front door. Service desk, single point of contact. We talked about that right at the beginning. Really, in most cases, it's to manage the incident management lifecycle, make sure that they're involved in restoring service. But extending that service desk analogy, it's also these days more than just help. It's advice, it's documentation requests, it's business process, uh, understanding and knowledge that's being passed on to the customer. It's the core hub of communications for IT. Managing incidents, communicating and promoting the services from IT. Certifications. You can go and do a two-day class and sit a 40 multiple choice test questionnaire, and two weeks later, you get a piece of jewelry in the mail telling you you passed. There's practitioner-level classes, three-day classes that Pink Elephant certifies. There's uh, Exxon-certified practitioner classes that deal with going into these processes at a deeper level, change configuration, release bundle together, service desk incident problem bundle together. They're really good, deeper-level practitioner classes once you've done your foundation. And then if you're a complete masochist, there's one on the right-hand side there called the ITIL Service Manager, which is 10 weeks of study and a six-hour handwritten SE exam at the end. Uh, there's also executive management certification, which allows you to get your executive teams on board with ITIL, uh, get them thinking of things more from a business perspective, and the strategic aspects of ITIL, there's a separate certification for that. So that was your tour of ITIL. So thank you. You've been listening to part four of ITIL in a Heartbeat. Please join us next week for a new Pink Podcast. 
Thank you for joining us for today's Pink Podcast. Go to www.pinkelephant.com to find out more about our products, including Atlas, our knowledge database with hundreds of example documents and templates for your IT management best practice projects.